Anybody else resonate with those words this morning? Oh Lord, I need you. I hope that's true for you. Thank you team for leading us in this time of worship. Well, every uh, once in a while, I make a little bit of a, a plug slash appeal, and this is one this week that I wanted to make an ask. We have, uh, it's exciting because our Awana program is like bursting at the seams. Like we, we've got more kids coming out. Somebody told me that knows dates and things, that we haven't had this many kids since 1993. So we're uh, 20 years since having this many kids coming out. So thank the Lord for that. Uh, but with that, there comes need for volunteer help. And so this is just an appeal if you would at least consider praying through the possibility of being a listener. So let me tell you what a listener is. It's not too bad. It's sitting there and listening to a kid share the verse that they learned that week. Does that sound so terrible? So, uh, so that's, the, that's the appeal. They could really use some additional help. It's about an hour commitment uh, on a Tuesday night. And so just pray through that possibility. Might be a, a fun uh, date night to do as a couple even. I'm just throwing that out there. And so that's my, that's my uh, shameless plug slash appeal. Good? All right, all right. Well, this morning we're uh, continuing in our series where we're working through the book of 2 Timothy. And we're going to be in chapter 2. And uh, really... I've had fun even just personally just working through this book thus far, just basically listening in. It's kind of like eavesdropping on the conversation of a really wise, godly man, Paul, talking to a younger pastor and giving advice on how to persevere, how to, how to sustain the faith through all the difficulties that were coming his, his direction. In this particular week, we're going to be in this section in 2 Timothy 2, where Paul is, is challenging challenging Timothy to be strengthened, being strengthened. And it's not a suggestion, it's more of a command. And, and really, as I was thinking about that this week, the topic of strengthen, there's a, a certain tendency, maybe that, uh, maybe it's just me, but there's a certain tendency, tendency to overestimate your strength. Anybody else have that, uh, that issue? Even from a physical standpoint, I was thinking back some years ago, uh, back when I was in the impressing uh, season of life when I was dating Adrian, and uh, we went to a, uh, that, that dwindles, unfortunately, <laughs> uh, but the, the impressing season, now she's already impressed, um, but this was, uh, just kidding, but this was a uh, time we were at one of those uh, carnivals, I've noticed that they're popping up around areas here too, and at the carnival, it had one of those things that had the bell up at the top, and you know what I'm talking about with the hammer, and you're just trying to just show your manliness as much as possible by hitting this, this, this big mallet and trying to make it go up and ding the bell. Has anybody else done this before? Anybody else failed at this attempt? And so I went in with this, with this effort of impressing my wife, or she was my girlfriend at the time, and started swinging in, and the first time, and they have different levels, you remember, and it tells you how wimpy you are, uh, and then it starts to get a little bit more encouraging as it goes up the, the, the thing, but I remember the first one was just pathetic, you know what I mean? It went like halfway up, and all the little kids are like chuckling around as I'm doing this. The second one, I'm like, I'm going to do this or die trying, you know, and like hit that sucker, made it about three-fourths up. And I was like, all right, then, then for sure if I'm three-fourths up on this one, I'll hit the bell on the third. And the third attempt, lower than the first attempt. It was pretty, it was pretty pathetic, pretty sad thing. But here's the, the part of the story that's even more sad than that. There's this little guy, probably, I don't know, Noah's size. He was, uh, he, he was, he was, he was I was just saying age-wise. Uh, and and he, was, he, was about, he was about 16, 17 
He's wearing a plaid shirt, had a sweet mullet, and, uh, and, and go, goes up there. You want to know what he did? First swing, ding! Second swing, ding! Third swing, three in a row, he dinged this thing. And I'm just like, I'm like ushering Adrian off. Oh, yeah, just luck, you know, that's fixed. And, and, uh, and, but, the, but, but the tendency is, if we're honest with ourselves, is to overestimate how strong we are, our, our strength level. And truth be told, the, the, the reason I bring that up is because the same is true from a spiritual standpoint, that we may have a misconception of our strength level spiritually. If we're honest with ourselves, all of us, when this appeal that, that, that Paul is making to, to Timothy saying, be strengthened, all of us resonate with that. Because all of us could use, if we're honest, a little more strength. Because basically, what we're called to is greater than what we're capable of, right? What we're called, and, and so I think it's important for us to, to understand that we're in over our head. We're in over our head. What's, what's expected of us in following Christ and being a, a, a servant of the Lord is greater than what we're able to do. So a lot of times, those of us that, that think we're strong, if we're honest with ourselves, if you start to reflect in the different areas of strength, you know, the Depth of relationship with Christ isn't really that great. We don't really have a real significant prayer life. Our, our ability to resist sin isn't real high. It's a lot lower than we'd want to confess to. The truth is, we could use some strength. That's what our text here this morning is talking about. And it's what I believe not for the guy down the row from you. It's for each of us. It's for each of us could use some strength. Let me pray before we dive in. Dear God, we come to you right now just grateful for this collection of, of strength tips that we see from, from Paul to this younger pastor, God. And I just pray that you'd speak to us here this morning, that you'd work in us, that you'd give us a new understanding, a deeper love of you, and that you'd grow us in our strength. God, we don't want to be content with where we're at. We want to keep moving closer to you, more into your likeness. We pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. If you guys have your Bibles with you, we're going to be in chapter one or chapter two of 2 Timothy, verse one. And it starts out and he goes through this first charge. Take a look at what he says. He says, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. I love the, the tender heart that we see right out of the gate there. He says, refers to him as my, my child. He's like, Man, I, I genuinely care for this person. My child. Be strengthened. It's not a suggestion. It's a command. It's a directive. I talked about that at the beginning of this book. Is that, that this idea of, of uh, these last words that Paul's given no longer teetering on the, on the fence. He's just saying it like it is. He's just saying like it is. He's saying, he's saying, Timothy, you've got to be strengthened. And the source of that strength is through the grace that Jesus Christ offers. That's the source of this. But he, he gives this call to be strengthened. And I thought it was interesting because it's not a call to just persevere. It's not just a call to persevere because if we're honest, we're not wanting to just survive this Christian life. We're wanting to take ground. We're, we're wanting to not be the same person now, I mean in six months from now, that we are now. We want to be growing more in Christ's likeness. When I was a young adults pastor, I was introduced to this book it's called this, it's called How to Stay Christian in College. How to Stay Christian in College. And I saw that title and I was like, just didn't really settle well with me. This idea of, of how to stay Christian. 
We're not trying to just stay Christian, you know? Like I picture somebody like in the fetal position in the corner, like I'm going to stay a Christian, you know? Like we're, we're wanting to be strengthened. We're wanting to grow in our faith. We're wanting to grow in our likeness of Christ. And so this charge that he's giving right out of the gates is a taking ground kind of a thing. But then kind of like a, a muscle head giving advice to a skinny guy, he gives some strength tips. In, in, in verse 2, the first one that he points out is this idea of passing it on. Look at verse 2. It says, And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others. Pass it on. The idea of this, in the early church, there was no written word. And so what does it say? He had to refer to what was heard. It was the message that was being passed on. He's saying, what you've heard from me, I want you to pass this on. I want it to be, I want it to be duplicated for others. But this, this idea, though, is the same between then and now, is that the, the, the thing with truth is just hearing it doesn't necessarily mean anything. It's what you do with it. It's what you do with it because I've recognized over the years is that there's plenty of people out there that know a ton, but they're not really doing anything with it. There's no degree of passing it on. And so if you're wanting to, if you're trying to think through like, man, why does my, why does my faith feel stale? Why do I feel like I'm, I'm, I've gotten complacent? Like maybe this is it. Maybe there's a passing on element that isn't happening. That's something that God designed us to do. He designed us to take in, in the lifestyle of a, of a healthy believer, there's, there's taking in and then there's a putting out, right? And the encouragement that comes from that, I'll tell you there's nothing more encouraging and, and, and strength building in your walk with Christ is to take something that you've received and passing it on to others. I love little examples of that around the church. I was thinking, I met last week for, for breakfast with Bill Bear, and he's talking, he's all passionate and excited about these younger group of guys he's been meeting with a couple, uh, a couple months, just kind of downloading some of the things God's been teaching uh, him. I, I, I think of uh, Jim Liljergren with that same discipleship me mentality. Rod Stewart has this halftime ministry where he's investing in, in business leaders and how to, how, to, how to go the second half and really live strong for Christ. There's something about passing it on. So my question for us with this one is, are we doing it? Are we doing it? Are we taking what we've received and passing it on? It's part of the lifestyle of a healthy, strong believer in Christ. I was reading this week about the, the, some facts about the Dead Sea. I thought it was interesting that it has 6.5 million tons of water going into it every day, but there's no outflow so then what happens to it? The Dead Sea. The Dead Sea. No fish can live in it. Nothing can survive because it's all taking in and no giving out. The same is true for us. Like, and what does, it, what does it look like? It might be, it might be an Awana investing in kids. It might be just investing in our own kids. It might be investing in a friend that you know uh, that, that, that's struggling, that needs a download of some of the things God has taught you. God can do this in a number of ways, but the passing it on is critical in the life of a growing believer. Pass it on is the first thing that he points out. The next strength tip in verse 3 says this, Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. The second area of, of strength comes from staying focused. 
We can learn from a, a soldier on this. Can you imagine like a soldier out on the battlefield being distracted by civilian affairs, picking daisies? What would that mean for that soldier? Like death, like that, that's, you can't get distracted when you're, when you're a soldier. And that's what he's pointing out to us. He's saying, man, this has to, this has to be a part of, of the life of every believer is staying focused, keeping your eye on the prize. What, is it, what does he say that, that helps with that? He says, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. His aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Who, who, who for us are we trying to please? Who are you trying to please? Is it your, your neighbor, your spouse? Is it the, your coworker? Who are we trying to please? When we stay focused on the right person to please, all of a sudden the civilian affairs like start to drift. But unfortunately, those civilian affairs are constantly trying to lasso, lasso us in, right? Have you guys noticed like what a, a draw this world has on all these civilian affairs? I was thinking about it. A lot of them we talk about uh, as, as, as sin issues, career climbing, possession collecting, appearance obsessing, celebrity worshiping, self-gratifying. All those things are pretty clear as far as like, yeah, those are civilian affairs that can really su suck us in. But what about non-sinful things? I was thinking about that this week. What about, what about the things that are a little bit more subtle, that sneak in just for that uh, finding dominance in our life and this idea of, of just paying bills, housework, recreation, kids' sports, huh, or hobbies? What are some of the things that entangle you from civilian affairs? What are the things that draw you away from the top priority? What is it for you? What civilian affairs have an appeal and allure to you to pull you off focus? That's what he's saying. That's the, one of the priorities is staying focused. That's how you gain strength. He moves on. He continues in the topic, looking at this next area of strength. In verse 5, it says, An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to what? The rules. Play by the rules. This is part of competing as an athlete. I don't know if anybody else was as, as frustrated when we found out. You guys remember when we found out that Lance Armstrong was cheating? I was like, such a bummer. Like, live strong. You know, like, I've been wearing the bracelet. Like, what's going on here, Lance? Like, there's something about when you find out when somebody isn't playing within the rules that's, that's discouraging. It's frustrating. It, it sucks the wind out of us. But the truth is that believers that break the rules do the exact same thing. They wonder why they're drained and why their, their, their life is lacking reward and fulfillment. It's because they're living a life of compromise. So play by the rules. That's what he's saying. He said, there's nothing that's going to faster sink your boat than when you're allowing areas of compromise to sneak into your life. What does that look like? What does that look like? It looks, I mean, I, we could go into so many lists on that of, of the breaking the rules, but some that came to mind had to do with relationships. I was thinking through that, how many times somebody wants to, we were, I was at a dinner last night, we were talking about that, where people are expecting God's blessing in their life, and they're like, yeah, we're, we're sleeping together, we've got friends with benefits. We, we moved in together because you got to try on the shoe before you buy it, right? You know, some of the, the, the lies that our, our world sneaks in, and then we're expecting to be blessed afterwards. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. Or what, are, what about some of the, the other ones outside of relationally? What about in business practices where, where dishonest business practices sneak in, where you're cheating on taxes, you're, you're just kind of fudging on the numbers a little bit, the expense account, you're adjusting things to your benefit. What does that look like in the life of a believer? 
I'll tell you what, there's nothing faster that can take the strength from a, a believer. We're saved by grace, but rewarded for faithfulness. Saved by grace, but rewarded for faithfulness. One caution I give with this one, though, is the, is the trying to live right and holy before all, Almighty God and trying to make right choices and not uh, be, be uh, taken off track because of breaking the rules is making sure that that stays between you and God. Because I've noticed that sometimes this pursuit of righteousness can be the thing that drives a, a seeking world the farthest from us. Have you guys noticed that? So like, I, I'm all for the like, man, we want to pursue holiness and that's what each one of us is called to, but it's not to be something that's then rubbed in a non-believing world's face. You know what I'm saying? That's a, that's the danger I want to be so cautious of is, yes, I want to pursue holiness, but I don't want to hold somebody to that standard when they don't have the same God, when they haven't accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, not calling to that, them to that. I have, uh, over the years, my, my wife and I, uh, probably a little bit more on a, on a whim without thinking through it, have purchased fish tanks and gotten fish. I don't know if anybody else do the fish tank thing. You don't think about the, the life commitment that it, that is, right? <laughs> Like, those tanks get nasty, right? They get all gross on the inside, the green stuff growing. We had added a turtle in the mix, which is even more gross. And, uh, and, and so we've had a fish tank, but I, every once in a while, after a while, after the, the film starts building up on the side really good, I'm like, all right, I'm done with this. We need to get, I, I'm going to just really clean this sucker and get it just, just perfect. So I remember one particular time I said, you know, I'm going to go the next level with this. I'm going to get a scrub brush and get in there and really get it clean. Well, so I grabbed one out from under the under the sink and uh and and got in there and was getting between all the cracks and getting this tank perfectly clean but you know what I forgot to realize my wife used that same thing with bleach to clean the kitchen you know and so we had a lot of floating fish that time after the the cleaning sorry I know the fish it's terrible and uh and, and so but here's the truth and the reason I bring up that story is because some of us get ourselves so clean that nobody around us can be in the same vicinity. You know what I mean? Like we get ourselves so sparkling clean that the people, the world around us are just like, oh man, I can't even be near that person. So we're called, in scripture, we're called to be innocent as doves, but wise as serpents. So be, be wise about this. Be wise about this, like living above the rules. Don't use the rules to be something that you're rubbing in non-believers' noses. So play by the rules. When you do, you'll be strengthened. The fourth one, fourth strength tip, we see in, in verse 6, it says this, idea of feeding yourself first. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. I remember reading through that a number of times and just like, what, what's this point? What's he, trying to, what's he trying to say there? And the more I, I, I dug into it, I began to realize this is a super practical lesson for us in life. The idea of feeding ourselves first. We can't constantly have an outpour in building and investing in other people without first making sure that we're fed. Putting in the hard work, it would be silly for a farmer at the end of the, the crop season to take the entire crop, sell it, buy all new tractors and be like, oh shoot, like I still have like 11 months and I'm trying to survive as a family. You know, like that would be craziness. But the same is true for us. If we keep having this outpour, and this is where that, that passing on and this one are pretty closely tied together. You can't be involved with the passing it on if you're not taking in, if you're not receiving, if there's not some healthy 
eating habits in your life. You know what I'm saying? So, so my question for us is how are you being spiritually fed? What are you doing to take in? How are you feeding yourself? Is there some eating discipline, some feeding habits that you've put in place? In the same way that we map out a week and like, like I, don't, I don't miss a meal, like breakfast, lunch, dinner, like those are all on the calendar. Like those are happening. And, uh, and so uh, some people are like, yeah, sometimes I forget about breakfast. Not me. Like it, it's, it never gets forgotten. Like the, this idea is similar is that it's about us with, with our own spiritual eyes. Figure out how those things can be on the calendar. What are you doing? What are some of the things that refresh you, renew you, a, a, a life group that encourages you, some time in the Word, a time sitting just outside in the sun, enjoying God's presence and His beauty and through creation? Like, what are you doing to feed yourself? What are you doing? Are you digging into God's Word? Is that part of your routine? Is that a, is that a habit? So my question for us is, what are your feeding habits? What are we doing to keep going? Feed yourself. In verse 7, he says, Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Think over this. This idea of allow it to go from your, your head to your heart. Allow this to actually shape you. Think about these things. Don't just cruise past this. I, I read a, one uh, commentator that says, If you drink tea, let this steam. If you're a redneck, let it marinate. The idea, the idea of really allowing these things to permeate and to, to come into who we are, to say like, man, am I, am I passing it on? Am I, am I playing by the rules? Am I feeding myself first? Allow those things to really soak in. Like I was thinking about the series that we did this fall. We had went through the mission of our church, the encounter, equip, Nice. Yes. Uh, so somebody was listening. So, but, the, but you see the progression there, the encounter, the equip, the extend. The idea, the idea there is first there has to be that encounter. There has to be that encounter, that ongoing encounter with God. And that's what allows us to then extend. And that's what he's pointing out here in the text. Feed yourself first. And the last one that he, that he addresses in verse 8 is this. It says, remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead, the offspring of David, preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains, a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. The idea here, uh, you can see it directly in the text, remember Christ. Remember Christ. When you do, you'll be strengthened. When you do, you'll be strengthened. I, I have a tendency to have some forgetful moments. I don't know if there's anybody else. I feel like they're increasing every year. One of the forgetful moments that I have found that I, uh, actually my, my wife has pointed out, sometimes I'll be driving on the highway and on the way home or going somewhere and completely forget the exit that I was supposed to get on. I'll, I'll pass by Ray's Adobe and, and be like, shoot, I was supposed, that's where I live. Anybody else do this? Like, uh, like, like, it's crazy how we start to, if we're not careful, we start to, we, we forget to remember some of the just basic stuff. Some of the stuff that should be at our very core, it's the essence of who we are, it's, it, it's where we live. Like, and that's what he's saying here, he said, he said, he said to remember, he says, remember Jesus Christ. But make sure that we were, we're remembering the, the right Jesus Christ. The right Jesus Christ. Sometimes we get encapsulated with this, this, this bubble of like, man, the, the, the sacrificed Jesus on the cross. We see him all whipped and beaten and bruised and near death, breathing his last, his last bit of, of oxygen. But what does it say here? 
remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead. Risen from the dead. The reason I point that out, I think that's an important piece of the, the life in Christ, is we're not following a, a broken, bruised, beat-up Savior. We're following a risen Lord, one that's on the throne over all. That's what he's pointing out there. He's, a, he's like, you're not, you're not following a wimpy Jesus. You're following a victor and reigning king. There's a tomb that's empty, but there's not a throne that's empty. The throne is not empty. And so my, my charge to us is let that be a motivating factor. Following the risen Lord. Allow that to drive us. He says, he, he, he says because of that, verse 9, bound with chains, who cares? Who cares? It's not such a big deal like all of, these, all of these heartaches and difficulties. Who cares about that when you're following the risen Lord? And I love what he points out there is that, that the fact that he says, hey, I might be bound in chains, but what does it say? I am suffering bound with chains, a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. The word of God is not bound. How cool is that? This image that he's saying like, hey man, I might be all beat up and I might be in shackles here and writing my last letter, but the word of God is not bound. This is bigger than me. You could hop on a plane any directions and fly a thousand miles and you will get off that plane and find where God's word is doing a work. On this planet, God's work ever, ever since Christ left, like there's been something that started there. There's something powerful that's bigger than us that we get to be a part of. His word is not bound. I was reading this week that at, at one time, there were 600 miles of catacombs under Rome that were dug and used by 10 generations of Christians for more than 300 years. They served as the meeting place and burial ground for as many as 4 million Christians. A common inscription on the walls in these, in these hallways, in these hidden caves, going below this city, how, how Christians were able to survive despite persecution. You know what was written on the, the walls multiple places more than anything else that they found? The word of God is not bound. The word of God is not bound. For 2,000 plus years, it's been trying to be destroyed, but it's not bound. It's going on. It's going to outlive you. It's going to outlive me. The word of God is not bound. That should be a motivator for us. That should be compelling, should drive us. It should strengthen us. Tie me up, beat me down, take my life, but you can't stop God's word. So verse 10, he goes on. He says, therefore, because of this, therefore, I endure everything for the sake of of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Let's pause there for a second. Why do all this? Why do we go through all this suffering? It says the same reason Christ did. The same reason Christ did others. The same reason Christ did others. He did this because he remembered, the, the, the piece of remembering him is loving the things that he loved. The things that he loved. He cared about what the most? People. People, people were his top priority. So he says, for the sake of the elect, in scripture, the, this theme of election is all over the place. I know a lot of believers that are kind of uncomfortable with this idea of God choosing us before we, before we chose them. And they're like, we're not sure what to do with that. Well, guess what? That's how it is. And that's what God did. And that's, I mean, you, you can deny it all you want, but that's the reality in scripture that God made that choice. But the truth is, in our sharing of Christ, is that we have no idea who God has chosen and who he hasn't. 
So we're just called to be faithful, extending the message of the gospel to people. And who knows? It's kind of cool to think, like, who knows? You might be the person that drew this person out from, from being hidden under whatever rock or cave that they're in to being recognized in that, man, God, God did choose me. God chose to reveal himself through the gospel message to me. So he's saying, I do all these things. I do all these things. This should be a motivator also for us when we're being tempted to sin, Right? Or we're thinking, man, there's a lot at stake here. There's a lot going on. I remember playing basketball not that, that long ago with a group of guys not here at the church. It was uh, a- after a-, a play, and I-, I may have fouled this guy. I may have. I know it's, it's, it's unlikely, but, but just very, very slight chance that I may have fouled this guy. And the guy, after the play, start, comes up to me and starts shoving me like in the middle of like uh, this open gym basketball. And I'm like... Are you kidding me? The, the blood started like boiling up of like, I'm going to pound this guy. But, but then I was like, all right, all right. For like, th- this, is, this is not worth losing the testimony. You know how logic and like, and, and carnal kind of collide. And, uh, and, and so, and, and so for, for me, this was God's reminder of saying like, you know what? It's not worth it. It's not worth blowing your testimony when he's saying, hey, I endure everything, whatever stuff you're going through. When somebody's mistreating you at work, when, when you have this conflict with your neighbor because their dog pooed on your grass, you know, like all this silly stuff that we can allow to be something that becomes a dividing line between us and the world around us, it's worth it. Like, it's worth it. Don't allow that to be the compromise that you're like, all right, I'm going to throw it all away just so I can deal with this silly, pathetic issue. That's what he's saying. For the sake of the elect, that's why he does it. It's a motivator. Verse 11, he goes on. The saying is trustworthy. The saying is trustworthy for if if we have died with him, we will also live with him. There's a payoff to this. If we endure... We will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. I love the start there. The tr- this is a trustworthy statement. You got to let this sink in. This is trustworthy that if we endure, if we persevere, that the, the enduring peace is what validates that we've made the choice to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord because he endured, right? So if we're following him, if he's the example that we're following, then the, our, our endurance validates the fact that we actually have made the choice to follow him. If we deny ourselves, he goes on, he says, if we deny him, he also will deny us. He will also deny us. That's a pretty sobering vo- uh, verse there. But if you think about it, doesn't life come down to just one big decision, whether you're going to accept or deny Jesus Christ? Like so many people I talk to, I'm like, man, if I could boil this down, if I could boil this down to one couple statements, is that's what this choice is. Are we going to embrace Jesus Christ's death as payment for our sins? Are we going to accept that? Or are we going to say no thanks to that offer? God's a gentleman. He's, he's not going to force himself on us. He, he makes that invitation, but we have a choice what we do with that. And it says there that, but man, if we deny him, he also will deny us. In verse 13, it can be a little bit confusing because he says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. At first read, you think like, oh, well, if we're faithless, if we don't, ha- if we don't have faith, that's okay. He'll, he'll stay, still, still take us in. But actually what the text is pointing out there is that he can't deny himself. 
If we deny him, he's got to be faithful to his character and who he is. And he's not just a loving God, he's a just God. So he's going to be true to both of those. And so he can't, he can't deny, it says, for he cannot deny himself. So if we are faithful, he's going to remain faithful. But if we're faithless, he's got to be true to who he is. That's why what's going on here is such a big deal. There's so much at stake for the people that are around you. The, your, your circle of influence, so much at stake. I love in the, this text, the little pause button that he hit in the middle of it where he says, hey, take some time and think about this. Take some time and think about this. He says, think about these, these different areas of strength that I'm pointing out to you. What are you lacking in the most? I want to just take a minute and kind of reflect and give you guys a chance to do exactly that. To think through these five different areas and assess which is the one that I could grow in. Which is the one that maybe is a shortcoming in my life. First one, the idea of passing it on. How are we doing with that? Can you point in your life to, to, to specific people that you're investing in, that you're passing on what God's entrusted to you? Are you passing it on? I'm not, I'm not just saying evangelistically. I'm saying discipleship-wise. Are there some people that you're investing in? Passing it on. How are we doing on that? Stay focused. Staying focused. Are we distracted with civilian affairs? Have the things of this world just kind of entangled us so we just can't even stay focused? How are we doing with that? Or the things, the distractions, the weight of bills, of, of, of pressure, of work. How are we doing with that? Are we getting distracted? How about the area of, of playing by the rules? Are there some subtle things that have kind of snuck their way into your life that, are, that have kind of stolen that from you? That if you're real honest, you've allowed some, some habits to sneak in? How are we doing with that? With playing by the rules. Feeding ourselves first. Feeding ourselves first. How are we doing with that? Are we, are we just kind of surviving, existing? I want to invite uh, Chad to come up as we're talking about this. I'm going to give you a moment to be quiet before these, thinking through these ideas. How are we doing with that feeding ourselves first? That, 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 that simple discipline of making sure that as we serve and we minister, it's coming out of a full cup and not an empty cup. That we're not just becoming professional Christians where you're like, man, I know the right thing to say. I know the right thing to do. I can, I can act this out. I can live this out. But it's not coming out of a genuine, authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. How are we doing with that? Feeding ourselves. We have some feeding habits in place? Do we have some things, some disciplines that we can point to that we're like, man, I'm doing this to stay connected to the vine. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. What is it for you? What is it for you? Feeding yourself. Last one, the remembering Christ. Has, a, has our, our, our gaze gotten off center? Have we, have we started looking at too many different things to become our, our, our center of focus? Has, has our, our affection been torn away from him? Are we remembering him as the risen Lord, the one that's reigning over all, the sovereign God? Is that the way that we see Jesus? I want to give you the gift of just a couple minutes of time here to reflect just on those five different things, those five different areas and assess, man. Maybe there'd be just one of them that you take away, that this isn't just a, another message on the pile high mess, mile of, or mile high pile of messages that you've heard. There's a specific, I can't talk, a specific thing that God wants to speak to you about this morning. I'm gonna just be quiet. Chad's gonna play the piano and just give you the chance to reflect.
So God, we thank you for the gift of time, a second to pause and reflect. As your word said, to think on these things. God, I just pray that you'd help work in each one of us, that you'd convict where we need to be convicted, that you'd challenge, even that you'd encourage where we need to be encouraged, God, to keep on in some of these different areas. I thank you that you didn't leave us just wandering and just wondering how to be strengthened. You gave some specific areas, some specific things we can do. God, I thank you that you're such a practical God and that you speak into our lives exactly where we're at. God, we don't want to just, we don't want to just stay Christian. We want to take ground, God. We, we recognize what we want. We can only do that in the strength of your grace. God, we don't want to just limp across the finish line. God, we want to run. God, give us the strength to do that. Pray this in your name.